is a tasty burger. Well, we're going, we don't need those. The whole world's gone crazy! Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Conflicts and Interests with Eric Kahn and Mike Montague. Chances are if you owned a home in the last two years, you probably earned more from home equity in your home in the past year than you did from your job. And that's great for homeowners out there. I've earned it. I, I wouldn't begrudge any of them, any of it. And nobody should. But I'd like to talk a bit about the renters who are out there. Anyone else out there who doesn't own a home, but they want to own a home and sometime in the future, they have to feel like dogs chasing after speeding cars right now. I actually think that there are some owner, homeowners who are dancing uh, right now. And I think there are others who are petrified that they think there's nowhere I can go. They're locked uh, in. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I, can, I can't afford to move or I wouldn't qualify again to move. No. Um, so yeah, there, I mean, first and foremost, I think that uh, we're, we're living in a generation that has uh, allowed activism to shame people for natural appreciation in their home. For, yeah. ha- for having somehow been fortunate enough to work their butts off and been fortunate enough to scrimp and save and been fortunate enough to time the market right and save up for a down payment. And you know what? As much as we try, not everybody is going to be born into the same level of comfort or privilege. Uh, that's true and that's fair. And then there are going to be those who actually say, I'm not willing to look at my position in life as a handicap, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And then you've got everybody else in there somewhere. So, so I think that if you, if you look, if you look at where we are, there are people who bought a house for a hundred thousand dollars 20 years ago, and that house is worth $700,000 today. Uh, But back, back, but back then when they bought the house for a hundred and so thousand dollars, they were probably making much less annually, right? They were oh, probably yeah. making five, well, six, here's, ten thousand. Here's something interesting I read just recently, and on an average family income in the '60s and '70s in Toronto, it took four or five years to save a twenty percent down payment on a home. Today, how many years do you think it takes to buy an average-priced home for the average income earner in the Toronto area? Ready? Twenty-four years. Yeah, twenty-four in, years. In other words. In other words, it's not happening. It's not (laughs) happening. The only way it's happening is if there is family who's assisting to get people in. Um, Or you're pooling. You're you're pooling with a work partner or a friend. Pooling resources, yes. And buying with with others. It's just not happening. Our, Our government has the asinine mindset that if housing demand is driving up prices, instead of working on measures that are gonna get more homes built faster, they've decided we should create measures that are going to make it harder to buy homes, drive people away from, from wanting to buy homes. Um, they, in effect, they want to drive down demand for, to, of the lower income buyers, but those same lower income buyers, they now have no choice but to continue to rent, which is driving up rental demand, which is driving up rental rates and making it even harder for Canadians to save and buy a home. So it's how, do you, how, do you draw, how do you draw a flow chart for a podcast? Yeah, you don't. You you, you need to be articulate and with the magic of your poetic words and your acumen there, Arif. So let her go. Aren't we all fortunate that here I am? You cannot have this conversation in isolation of literally everything else that's going on in the world. Literally, 
Okay. Everything yeah. else. We're not just talking about housing. Okay. Because we, we started ranting before hitting record, record with any form of plan in mind here, but I think we can tap into that a little bit. We don't have the supply we need and we recognize that. And, and that's what we, that's what we've been talking about for a few years now, Mike, is that the answer is not artificial manipulation by the government or regulatory bodies to try and stem the, the, the natural market direction of, of home prices. It's supply yeah. and demand folks. I don't care which country you live in supply and demand, yeah. unless we're going to a completely uh, socialist. Uh, well, we need uh, to change um, the formula up, but we have yeah. the land. We have more land per, per capita than probably anywhere, but maybe uh, Russia. We've got a generation that we cannot afford to take care of as they go into their senior years into retirement because CPP is underfunded, OAS yeah. is underfunded, and the formula is broken. What the hell does that have to do with housing stock and prices? Well, everything's today? coming. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Which is why we have the immigration we do. Yeah. We don't have enough natural childbirth from Canadians, if you will, domestic Canadians. Yeah. To replace our raging. To Canadians. replace. So we have immigration. Yeah. And we, we don't we don't have the, the number of people graduating out of high school with degrees to fall into careers in fields uh, where we are in high demand for those people's services. We're importing that from elsewhere. Well, because, and, and because we determined that having a trade was a dirty thing. It was a dirty word to well, be in that's a trade. Other... Right. But now, actually, if you look at the, I think it was uh, Globe and Mail or National Post, one of the other uh, newspapers, I apologize for getting it wrong, probably uh, stated that uh, employers demanding that's the end to the four-year university degree because we need workers sooner. Yeah. So so basically, they're saying, we forget about getting your degree. Yeah. We need you into the workforce. And, and, and Mike, thing, Mike Rowe just that, recently said last week, you know, Mike Rowe, dirty jobs. Yeah. And he's a strong yeah. advocate for, you know, the trades. His comment was probably the most costly decision in government in the last 50 years in the United States was to end shop class in schools. And he's not wrong. Of course wrong. it is. He's, he's not, not wrong, wrong at all. We are we are revamping the education system. Thankfully, uh, there is a there is a, a minister needed. of education right now who recognizes the need to that to do that, and that's great because the past one had sixteen years to do nothing. Um, here's what's happening at a federal level: the federal government is saying we're going to increase stress tests, making it harder to get in. Let's have the the stones, the courage to go after those industries and entities out there that are predatory. When yeah. you've got banks that are having all time profits, all time profits, yeah. Mike, yeah, record profits to that, and 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 yeah. okay, and those but then profits, you've got also you know the first first quarter for this year, the four big banks, four billion dollars, ten ten point eight billion dollars in sure. three months. Okay, so they're on par to that. That's going to be over forty billion dollars end of the year, and that's sort of what what so, I, what I want to talk about what we can do and should be doing. I mean, look at the urgency that we've attacked the pandemic. Um, the, the degree of action and urgency the government has taken on that, we should be applying that to the housing crisis because it's every bit as crucial and an issue as the pandemic. And Mike, you want a license? You want a license to be in the banking industry? You want that license and that privilege to be in the banking industry? Here's the responsibility that comes with it. That's exactly that? what it should be. And here, I look locally here. We had Red Park Homes, which Tim and his wife, their hometown heroes for certain. Uh, sadly, at the same time, it takes two people to come out of the private sector to run what is pretty much the only 
entity in our community that's serving uh, to, to see affordable housing built, they can't get a loan. They have to go to the city to get a loan. They can't secure a loan. Because, and they shouldn't have to because they're just private citizens. They shouldn't have to secure a $3 million loan. So they've come to the city to for $3 million, which they're hopeful will be then offset by CMHC with the government down the road, but they can't know for sure. But sadly, they have to go that route to get the money when we have a banking institution who won't touch them, but at the same time, that banking institution is allowed to earn $10.9 billion over three months off of all of us collectively here in Canada. Where's their responsibility to the people? If they, again, if, like you said, if they want the privilege of having that license to be a bank, just as the CRTC mandates, if you want to be a broadcaster in this country, you have to meet certain criteria. The banks, we let them just do whatever they want. I'm sorry to hey, say. Hey, here's an idea, guys. Uh, bank, you could, with one day's worth of profits, fund the entire project that Redwood's talking about. Yeah. And one you day, could actually... One morning worth. Yeah, and you could you could actually get, uh, pay Tim and his crew uh, a, a respectable living wage in order to do it. Oh, and by the way, when you go and create this housing stock to provide safe and secure shelter for those who are in transition, uh, transitional housing and transitional housing can often refer to people who are escaping domestic violence. At any one time, there would be 12 units on this one first project, 12 units on the other project, hundred units, but on the first one that they're talking about 12 units worth of people at any one time for 364 days or up to 364 days, who would be transitioning through your system while they, get their life in order while, while they get the services and the supports that they need. But let's just assume that they themselves become future homeowners or have an aspiration to become future owner, homeowners. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be amazing if your financial institution that put the bill for this interim housing, wouldn't it be amazing if you could have perhaps six of the 12 become future clients? Yeah. Right, and and, and, then, and by the way, next year six more, and next year six more, and next year six more. Right. Well, I'm sorry. What? Instead of instead of mandating, I agree with you. But instead of our you know local government mandating private developers to have to provide X number of affordable homes uh, if they want to build their project, let's mandate at a federal level that our that our banks have to provide X number of dollars in secured loan, even if the government has to secure the loan, but you have to provide funding that meets checkbox. We're not just going to throw money around willy nilly, but it, it meets those checkbox of qualification as being affordable and, and uh, low income housing across Canada. But you have to meet those targets every year. That has to be made available. You're still going to make your profits and you probably won't lose any money doing this because if the government backs it, it's going to happen. Do you, do you remember when I said that that in order to fully comprehend the scenario, you actually have to take a minute and understand that that nothing <clears throat> can be in its own in its own silo, mm -hmm. and that literally everything around the world has a it plays a factor. Literally yeah. everything. When you take the fact that the municipality is the least funded level of government, that actually puts out the most dollars into impacting residents. Yeah. Period. That's not open for debate. Okay. Mm -hmm. We municipalities do the most with the least. Yeah. Okay. And then you realize also 
the vacuum that gets created when one standalone or a handful, 30, 50, who cares, municipalities out of the 440 municipalities in Ontario and thousands of municipalities in the country, a municipality trying to do this on their own is actually removing the sense of urgency that the federal government should be feeling to create a national strategy. Well, we're, we're, we're enabling we're, the, the kind of apathy that's taking place out there already. That's exactly what it is. And it's not because I'm not a fan, but our representatives are not supposed to be philanthropists. Yeah. They should say, you know what? You're damn right. We have a problem and you're damn right that there's people who are going to be right. homeless and you're damn right. We got to get this on the national stage. Yeah. And you, you made a point uh, before we, you know, turned on the microphones here uh, and, and I'll let you speak to it and, and the downside or the repercussions of one municipality doing something first and better than any of the other municipalities with regards to social issues and, and, and what ends up happening. Talk on that for a second. Well, it, you're right. It perpetuates the apathy. But right? you're talking so, about the vacuum so effect. I, absolutely. The vacuum effect. So here's the vacuum effect. And it, this is factual. It's in the news. It's quoted. Don't take my word for it. Re review the archives of the articles regarding um, available housing whether it's transitional housing, shelter housing, uh, affordable housing, literal stories coming from the gentleman and his child in Newmarket who couldn't get any uh, uh, shelter or find an affordable place to live, picked up and came to Barrie because he knew that there was a room available. Yeah. Right? And, and when you've got associations who literally boast that last year they did X number of good deeds and this year they're on track to do double the number of good deeds. And they think that that's why they're in business. Mm -hmm. When in fact, they should be saying last year we did this number of good deeds and this year we're on track we're to do half that many. We're or hopefully to do fewer. Yeah. We're hoping to do fewer. Yeah. We have a problem in a system where we literally are trying to keep ourselves relevant and try to keep, instead of actually solving the challenge, you literally create a vacuum. If Barry literally, if, if, if our industry. city thinks... If our city thinks that we're going to solve homelessness, we're no. crazy. And because you know we're not, as a minister, not best intentions, yes. Yeah. But we're not going to because we're going to create a vacuum because you better believe that people have access to news, information, maybe the places in the municipalities where they're currently residing and they're checking in with service providers there. I'm not saying that they're sitting on their Wi-Fi enabled devices in the luxury of their home, checking out the news and what's trending and say, hey, I'm going to move to Barrie. But maybe their caseworker does. Maybe their social service agency mm -hmm. is saying, hey, you know what? I really care about you and you need a home. And in, in the municipality that we're in, in, in wherever this may be an hour away, we don't have anything for you. But if you happen to go to Barrie now, you're going to get a place. Yeah. And the, the overriding point, if I read what you're saying right is that you leave it to the municipalities and you create these little vacuum spots where surrounding communities will gravitate to. And it's an ineffective system when compared with if the federal government was overseeing in this, overseeing it, and it was provided at a, a more evenly distributed level or to well, the level where it's required. It. And that's, if we yeah. all believe in this, Mike, if we all believe in this as Canadians, <clears throat> If it's a referendum, if it's something for, uh, you know, election worthy and campaign yeah. worthy, then I will vote for it. And I but would we, vote for it. You'd get my support. I'll pay my fair share. I'm willing to pay my fair share. And I'm willing to pay my share here where I live to have somebody else who lives three, four, five, ten hours away from me get a home. I'm well, willing to pay my share. No, COVID. I want to. 
Yeah, COVID, uh, as bad as it is, has reaffirmed to us as Canadians that when up against the wall, when it's when it's scary, when it's dangerous, we we can we, act. We can act. We can act. I mean, I don't know that we've had since probably not going back until World War II if we had such a a call to duty here for uh, for Canadians, and we've we've met the challenge, and overall, with a few hiccups along the way we've dealt with this in terms of dollars and just sheer volume and scale, we can do this. And if we apply that same energy and determination towards the homeless issue and the affordable housing issue in this country, I'm confident it could be done. And you know what? We're, we're always going to see homelessness and housing affordability being an issue, uh, but it has gotten increasingly out of hand in almost every city. It's about political will. Yeah. Right. And, it's, and, it's about it's about civic will as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, look if at the it's important enough, we'll do it in the states like look in L.A. I mean, if we think, uh, you know, when we have a few people on the streets in, in Barrie or Toronto, that's an issue. L.A. literally has I, over 10,000. I think it's 20,000 people who are declared as homeless or living in tent cities. Yeah. Um, and this past week in Toronto, they, they interviewed on a, a tent city in the Trinity Bellwood Park area of Toronto. And the optics weren't good. I mean, a couple dozen homeless people and probably as many or more police in riot gear and on horseback showed up. You think they would have learned from past uh, encounters. Uh, um, we should have been sending in social workers, I'm sorry, to try and talk to these people into getting moving into shelters and providing whatever assistance they need. Um, it was well-intended, I'm sure, at least the, probably the mayor thought they were doing what they needed to do, but it was... It, there, there's diametrically opposed views as to how to deal with. Yeah, it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna argue a point though, uh, because I, I actually, that again sounds ideological to me, and I'll tell you why. One, it is a public health crisis. Yeah. It's a public health issue, and it doesn't matter what the intent is, and it doesn't matter the white glove approach that you think you're going to use. You're going to tick somebody off. We know that. Yeah. Here's the thing: the encampment is a public health crisis. You cannot say that you care about the homeless and that you don't care about the public health crisis in the same sense. You can't when there's no sanitation, when there are discarded needles, yep. when you are responsible, by the way, to not you, when you're responsible to all citizens, including yeah, just those, those who cannot care, everyone. when you cannot, you have to care for all who cannot care for themselves. Yeah. And that can include children and youth as well <clears throat> who may be running around stepping on something that is is unsafe right they're yeah. gonna get cut they're gonna step on a needle when you look at what happened here just a week ago in in barry and, and you look at the they, they were making they had to clear an encampment to make room yeah. for highway widening and it's in the news that says they had they brought with them health counselors and 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 um uh Mental health counselors, they brought with them counselors in general, right, who who work with those who are uh, yep. underhoused and homeless, right? And they had, yes, they had a police community services officer there, but they carted out, I don't know if it was a hundred or hundreds of pounds, it was one of the other hundred or hundreds of pounds of um, waste, yep. including thousands of discarded needles, mm -hmm. thousands, they didn't say five or 10. Yeah. And over, five or 10 over, would be over a time period, they've accumulated thousands sure. of discarded needles. We're not doing ourselves any justice by pretending, by pretending that if we build 12 units 
and, and by the way, different purpose, transitional versus, right? Yeah. There's transitional versus yeah. uh, affordable or, or housing for the homeless. You cannot assume that you build, you build it and they will come. You build it and they're going to come, sure, from everywhere else. But you cannot say that you're going to end homelessness because there are those who have decided they cannot live inside uh, uh, under someone else's rule and, and, and uh, with neighbors. Again, you, you touched on it. They'll come from everywhere else if we do it as a municipality and we stand out. But ultimately, it should be the financial burden and responsibility of government at federal, provincial levels to, uh, in conjunction with you know, the lower tier municipal governments to, to create affordable housing. But I don't believe it should be put on the backs of the developers and the private property owners across the country, especially if it's done by the municipality, because you're ultimately just going to drive those developers away. Just as you drive those homeless people to the next park, you'll drive the developers to the next opportunity in the next town if they see we're making it too hard for them uh, by putting, putting the burden and the onus on them. Yeah, we had a developer and, and someone in real estate, though, who, who gave a slightly opposing view. Because remember, there are different services and programs available. There's the CMHC program and there's yeah. other incentive programs where they can get um, a relief from taxation or relief from development charges or they can actually get a subsidy to help build. But the question that remains unanswered is the government's definition of and standard for what is affordable housing and my argument is that if somebody couldn't afford you said it yourself by the way that 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 it used to take the average uh torontonian i think was the statistic that you used about four years to save up for a 20 percent down payment or to save yeah. up for a down payment i don't know if you said 20 percent. and today in today's number it's over 24 years in my opinion it's non-existent they will yeah. not save unless they have outside help if their income hasn't doubled as well to at least keep them at zero. Forget about in a better position, but at zero. If Just their income losing. hasn't doubled, yeah. listen, they're losing uh, exponentially right now. So, so if, if the housing that gets built in collaboration with government under current programs in collaboration with the developer is netting affordable housing by whatever definition we're using today of affordability, which is based on market versus the reality, then we're not actually solving the problem. Yeah. And bottom line summary is government needs to invest far more than it does into affordable and subsidized housing and social initiatives that reduce the need for that housing. And there, there needs to be better partnership processes in place between government, the private sector and property owners and developers that, that don't hinder development, but instead encourage the creation of more affordable housing within the private sector. We need to provide better and more access to programs for drug rehabilitation and for integrating people who have fallen through the cracks back into society. We're falling short on all those things. And the better and more access to programs we have to reintegrate people and people who have Listen. been incarcerated, who when they're released, they're just thrown out into the street. And a lot of them end up on the streets of your town. Uh, we, we need an education system that more realistically prepares and encourage our youth to work in industries where they're most needed. I mean, we need carpenters and engineers and fewer philosophers and consultants out there. Um, shop class was allowed to fade out of schools. And, and that was probably, as Mike, Mike Rowe said, one of the most costly mistakes our country has made in the past 50 years. Uh, when, you, when you've got a system that doesn't demand that those who have the privilege of 
reaping billions, as you said, 10.4, I think you said billion dollars in one quarter, 10.8, excuse me, that's off by a whole house, 10.8 billion dollars in one quarter, you could solve the problem, period, end of story, you know, and I'm not saying don't make profit. I'm saying share responsibility. I'm also saying that there is no willpower by any government so far no. to take on to take on the lobbyists, right? No, and, I know. And, and the, those who are lobbying are the banks. Those who are lobbying are the Visa cards of the wow. world who are charging 19% interest. Those who are lobbyists are the payday loans and the fair stones of the world who are charging exorbitant wow. amounts of money, whether it's 9.9% or whatever it is. And Update our banking and lending system so that those who are willing to build houses that meet the affordable housing guidelines can then borrow more easily and can receive low interest or interest-free loans secured by the federal government. That's the formula that would work. And it's as simple as that. And it can be done. If we can, I, I can go the population of a country in, in six months against a, a pandemic for billions of dollars, then certainly we can help to reduce the, the, the social issues, the social issues from that are, are coming our way in the next 20 years uh, from homelessness and unaffordability are probably going to be more expensive over the next 20 years than any of the dollars spent to fight this virus in our country. But here's the other argument, Mike. If you can inoculate an entire population in six months, you sure as hell could go after re-educating our citizens who continually put themselves in a bad position. Where? Why? Because I can go buy a couch from a big box store for zero interest, zero payments mm -hmm. for 12 months. And by the way, when I don't make my payment in a oh, year from now, now, it's 38% aggregate from day one. And nobody's reading the fine print. Yep. When I can go to easy home financial, when I can go to payday loan uh, on a the payday the loan, street. When I can go to any one of the big box hardware stores, Lowe's, Home Depot, Rona, whatever, and sign up for my free six months, this and whatever else that I'm going to do so that I can make my big purchase that I'm going to forget to pay. When I can buy a car, when I can buy a furnace, when I can do all of these things yeah. that are going to put me in the financial, in financial ruin. A lot more people have been leveraging themselves. I imagine there's far more run-up credit cards over the past year and a half than there was in the previous year and a half. Lots we can be doing better. We should probably wrap it up. And, 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 and I do want to put a kudos out there again to Tim and Rhonda Kent, who are our true heroes in our community, for better or worse, our only heroes in that regard, I would say. Damn straight. Uh, when I would much rather see that there are dozens and dozens of Tim, Tim's and Rondas out there and dozens and dozens of, you know, well-earning corporations who are getting behind this by their own accord, not because they're mandated by government, but because they want to get involved. They're about Certainly, as low profile and low key as you yeah. can get. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right. They, by the way, they, they do great quality. They're in it for too. the right reasons. They're not looking yeah. for the soundbite. They're not looking for the platitudes. They're just no. Uh, if you, if you actually get deal. to know them, if you actually get to know them, you'll see that they actually have. They also have a training program, and and they are teaching anybody. But I believe, including many of the clients who are taking them up on uh, accommodations, they're actually have it run a training program, yeah. and and they are producing, if you will, by way of apprenticeship programs. A very skilled craftsman. Well, people. then the question uh, to ponder that that burns deep is, 
rather than the two of them having to continue to go to government uh, to figure this out. Government should be coming that, to them to figure it out because they've got the template for doing this. I want to wrap it up with this, Mike, and it really comes down to will and it comes down to, like I said before, and maybe this falls on deaf ears, but we need people who aren't looking to have a selfie. We need people who aren't looking to have a spotlight that pats themselves on the back. You, we need people who aren't willing to say, oh, well, I'm only focused on my portfolio and I don't care how what I'm doing impacts the next guy with the next portfolio. Inside, I, and outside st- the government. I stand by what I believe in that every single thing is connected. And if you want to tackle a challenge that is as enormous as the one that we were talking about today, then you've got to take an initiative that says I'm willing to sit at the table as education minister across from the finance minister, across from the minister of infrastructure, across from the minister and get all the brains. to. And by the way, more importantly, the actual people who are more educated, who are actually living and doing it uh, out on the street, so to speak, the actual real life practitioners Mm -hmm. and come to the table and collaborate and say, how does what I'm, what I'm proposing, how does that impact everybody else? And what things do I need to take into consideration? And you need to actually be willing to humble yourself and say, I'm probably the guy who's got the spirit and the heart, but not the education and not the, not the brain trust to make this happen. And I need your help. Well, let's just stick a pin in this conversation, Ara, because it's certainly a topic that deserves further discussion. And uh, let's get some guests on here who know more than you and I who can enlighten all of us uh, further because it's a discussion that needs to continue. Yeah. Always a good time, Mike. Excellent. Have a good one, Arf. You too. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's-